0: You're listening to episode number two of The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins.
1: Welcome to the Road to Seven podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their
2: road to seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins.
0: On today's episode, I interview Jody Steinhauer, the president and CBO, that's the chief bargain officer, of the Bargains Group. Jodi has mobilized her award-winning discount wholesale and promotional products company to revolutionize the business landscape. As a Canadian female entrepreneur, Jodi uses her network of resources and leveraged buying power to aid every company and not-for-profit agency that she touches to maximize their buying dollar. Since 1988, Jodi has grown bargains group from her apartment, To a multi million dollar a year business. She is also often sought out for speaking engagements due to her successful entrepreneurial business experience and has been featured in many media outlets. Pioneering her belief of giving back makes good business sense, Jody is a tireless not for profit advocate and the founder of the national charity Engage and Change and its two annual initiatives Project Winter Survival and Project Water. Through these projects, Engage and Change helps thousands of homeless throughout Toronto and the surrounding area survive the extreme weather conditions while engaging and enabling citizens of all ages to donate their time to their local community through sponsored group engagement events. Jody's business has recently expanded to include a social enterprise wing, Kits for a Cause. With a focus on social impact, Jody has built a model for companies to support their local community. Kits for a Cause provides turnkey solutions for businesses to engage their employees while solving local community services' needs for resources. Her model of brokering goodness has worked with some of the top industry leaders in both the corporate and philanthropic spheres. Jody's extensive achievements include the Toronto Region Board of Trades Business Leader of the Year Award, Rotman Canadian Women Entrepreneur of the Year Award, Canada's Top 40 Under 40 Toronto Board of Trade Business Excellence Award, the Kauffman Community Award, Flair Magazine Volunteer of the Year Two-Time Finalist, the PPPC Award for Humanitarian of the Year, Women of Influence Local Hero Award, Power Mentor Excellent Award, Canada's Most Admired Corporate Culture Award, two-time finalist, Canada's Profit W100 recipient and recipient of the TD Paul Crouch Award. Jody is also the proud mom of two beautiful children. Please welcome my guest, Jody Steinhauer. Jody, thank you so much for joining us today on the Road to Seven. I know you are an incredibly busy woman. I don't even know if you sleep at night. You have not only built the Bargains Group, which is a very, very successful company, but you've also built these different legs almost or, or phila- philanthropic reach outs that have come from the Bargains Group. So let's start by talking about the Bargains Group itself. How? What inspired you to start your business?
2: Uh, well, uh, I have the best job in the world, I, I say, uh, yeah, for a woman especially. Uh, I love to shop, and I'm really cheap. And <laughs> I was really inspired um, at a young, young age. I had a lot of friends uh, over the border in, in the United States, and I used to always go visit and go discount shopping and they were definitely ahead of the curve when it came to us in the discount world. Uh, I always had jobs in fashion. I worked at Fairweather, and I loved making people happy Mm -hmm. by being honest and telling them that, no, you do not want to buy those pants. Uh, And I recognized that, uh, helping people and and feeling good uh, really made me feel good. And uh, I was always brought up by a family that said, if you don't love what you're doing and feeling good about it, you're you're not in the right place. So I went to fashion school. Mm-hmm. I studied business and marketing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I left school and I got an incredible job with one of the visionaries who built Lululemon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had my first real aha moment about, uh, now we would refer to it as the me too movement and we'll just leave it at that. Right. And then I left and I went to another, and I was promoted at 21 years old, um, to a job making $60,000 a year. Wow. So, uh, I went to another company. I, I did everything you can possibly think of. I designed the clothing. I distributed it to a chain of stores. I hired the people. I cleaned the toilets. I did the advertising. I figured out payroll uh, and again, I was uh, aware of something that was going on within the company in the same kind of line, and I just thought this is really wrong. I'm a really hardworking person. I want to. Res- I was brought up to you want to respect the people that you report to, mm-hmm. and if you can't, um, you're in the wrong place. So I I checked out because I had real real mixed feelings about the fashion world. Went traveling, and I came back, and I applied for a job that changed my life. And I went to a headhunter's office. I was probably 22-ish at the time. And it said, apply for this job we're looking for, or a private school, and we're looking for someone to purchase uh, school supplies and paper for our private school. I thought, oh my God, that's so perfect. I can totally do that. I can negotiate like nobody's ever seen. And I went to this guy's office and he interviewed me and he looked at my resume and he said, how old are you? And like, you've done all of this? And I said, Yeah. And he said, uh, I want you to meet somebody. And I'll never forget this. He asked me if I would go in his car, and I did. <laughs> and he drove me to this dilapidated warehouse uh, in northern Toronto. And I met this gentleman who had a chain of 30 clothing stores, very, very low end, very opposite of what I was doing. I was selling to stores like Holt Renfrew and mm-hmm. at the time. And this guy looked at my resume and said, she'll do. And I started the next day. I ran his wholesale division, and he sold things. Uh, My first sale was uh, 100 dozen pairs of underwear. And uh, I'll never forget the conversation I had with my father after my first day, (laughs) because I was selling Holt Renfrew, you know, six pairs of pants for the entire country at, you know, $300 wholesale a pair. So my father said, Well, what did you sell? And I said, I sold a hundred dozen underwear. <laughs> and he said, like, how much was the transaction? I said, It doesn't matter. I sold a hundred dozen underwear. One sec, sorry. <clears throat> and anyways, I finally got to the point of it was a six hundred dollar transaction. Wow. And he said, You found your niche. You know, I sold wow. to Honest Ends, that's why I sold it to. Yeah. So I recognized that very quickly I became really successful. I loved what I I I loved that talking to people, figuring out what they needed and figuring out a way I could help them. And then I also got to enhance them with other information that they didn't even ask for. And I call that today. That's my wow. You know, because I have a background in retail, I can talk to people and tell them how to merchandise it, how to price Mm -hmm. it. Have you thought of selling two for one? Have you thought about giving it away for free? Um, I can teach people how to make people happy and what I call the eyebrow test, make them raise their eyebrows and that's really how I started. And uh, I worked for this guy for, oh my gosh, uh, about three years and yep. developed a multi-million dollar business for him. And once a week, he'd come in and he'd say, hey, Jody, great job. Is there anything you need? And uh, I was running my own business on his nickel, basically. Yep. Working just as hard as, as if it was my own. And then one day, he made a very, very bad business decision on ego to buy out an ex-partner of his because the ex-partner had failed. And he said, I'm going to show him. And he was go- he went in so deep that I had said to him, you're making the really wrong decision. But he couldn't get out because the- he was so in deep with the, with the lawyers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, he said to me the next day, uh, we have a problem. I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy, but I've set you up next door. And, uh, you run the business anyways. So for the first three or four months, we're probably not going to have any support staff. You're going to have to do everything, but I'm going to give you, um, ownership in the company and 10% of the profits in which I said, wow, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, but if I'm doing all the work, I want my name on the door. Yeah. And uh, that's how I started the bargains group. I already had the word bargains registered. I already yes. did deals on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came out of, you know, what I say to everybody, it came out of an opportunity. I never, ever said, I want my own company. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I always ran everybody else's companies like they were my own. Right. And so really, it was just an opportunity. And that was on a Friday. And uh, my company was started on the Monday. Uh, amazing and over the weekend I had every supplier that I had dealt with um back then it was primarily in Montreal and uh, Winnipeg and they called me and they said we heard what you're doing um we're happy to back you we'll send you all the product you need and pay us when you get paid wow back then I said thank you and you know now I explain to people that people say how did you start where did you get your money and I said great question uh my reputation Everybody backed me because they knew that I was the most incredibly honest person and hardworking person they had ever met. And all of the suppliers and factories uh, would send me hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of product and tell me that I could pay them when I got paid.
0: I love that your integrity is what really fueled and funded the start of your business. I think that's amazing. What a great takeaway.
2: It still still does. does. Every every single decision that I have to make... Mm -hmm filtered through, is it right? Mm -hmm. And is there any kind of downside to my personal brand or reputation or my company's? And if it doesn't pass that test, you know, we don't do it. And we've turned up millions of dollars worth of deals that just didn't pass that test.
0: I love it. I love it. When you go back to that Monday morning where all of a sudden you have your own business, um, what was the one or two key systems that you put into place that were critical to your success.
2: All right. Well, let's, let's acknowledge that that was 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. very, very different time. And uh, you know, I started it on my dining room table in my apartment. Yeah. So what was critical was uh, communication, which uh, I still believe is one of the most critical things that any business person Uh, has to recognize these, especially these days, when there's so many ways to communicate. So I had a pager, and I made sure that every single person knew my pager, and I made sure that other than from, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning to maybe 6, Mm -hmm. other than that, I would react to it uh, within 10 to 15 minutes. Wow. That was critical, getting back to people Mm -hmm. uh, constantly. Mm -hmm. I had a fax machine that back then had the toilet paper kind of rolled thermal paper. Uh, and um, being conscious of costs, because I did have a cell phone back then, one of those very large white brick Motorola. Yeah, Yeah, I remember those. But um, from a business person just starting out, costs are always really, really crucial. So I made sure, for example, that I only faxed my orders to my suppliers after midnight, because back then, it was really, really crucial to cut costs. And it was when, you know, you know, if you faxed after midnight, the rates dropped dramatically. Right. And I only used my cell phone if it was an emergency. So if I was going to be late for an appointment and I was stuck in traffic, that would that would harness, uh, potentially tarnish my reputation. So yes. I would invest and make a phone call at that point. But I never gave my phone out. I only used it when I had to kind of right. thing. So I think the basic... Necessities um, that I that I really tried to do was you know just and the other thing I was going to say is I leveraged every relationship I had so in the very beginning I didn't go out and rent an office and get a warehouse and buy a nice car and you know when we talk about bootstrapping mm-hmm. um, I still I I just started a new business three months ago I bootstrap it I mean I'm not named the bargains group for, (laughs) because I spend, (laughs) but I would always figure out how much space do I really need? And how long do I think I'll stay there? And then always, and I, and I worked with people who lent me spaces in their warehouse and gave me a key to their office because they trusted me and I could rent my, my first space was a 10 by ten ten 10 corner of someone's office. And then I, quickly graduated three and four times throughout that year to take over more space and then the next door neighbor. So I think just really being conscious of of growth strategies
0: and how do you do it and not spend any money? I, I think you know it's interesting because that seems to be a very common theme that's coming up through the um, through our recordings from the various seven figure businesswomen is that when you're starting, watching the dollars and cents and literally down to the cents is one of the most critical factors to ensure that you're not going too big and spending too much and retaining as much cash flow as you can. So I think that's fantastic. At what point, Jody, did you realize that a seven figure business was possible?
2: Uh, I think really, because I had a I was doing a seven figure business for somebody else, I knew yeah. it was possible for day one because right. I was technically just stepping into the shoes of what I did already, right. Um, but I wasn't thinking of it like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I was brought up, just work really hard, love what you do every mm-hmm. day, and the money will come. And mm-hmm. I still mentor people and tell them the same thing. Don't focus on the dollar figure. Yes. Focus on what are you actually accomplishing? Are you making an impact in whatever industry you're doing? Are you making a difference? Mm-hmm. are you doing it a different way so that you really don't have competitors? And, and I think that's... So I recognized it from from absolutely from day one. Um, But the other thing I wanted to add in is I also recognized that um, due to, uh, luckily, I had an accountant as a father. He also taught me, keep all your money in your business, right? Mm -hmm. And if you want to get anywhere, you keep every cent you actually own in your business. Only pay yourself what you have to to live Mm -hmm. and write off everything you possibly can because most of them are business expenses. Right. So those were some of the other, the other rules being in the clothing business. Uh, I also started to do a lot of speaking and lecturing mm-hmm. way back when, well, it was a great angle to say, Oh, i well, I have to buy new clothes. You know, if you want me to look good in front of it, so, Oh, great. I can write off my clothes as an expense. Right. So being creative, that's, that's one
0: of the other freedoms. I like it. And keep all your money in the business as you All can. your money in the business. Um. You have undergone some external challenges within your growth. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that you faced, and more importantly, how have you overcome them?
2: Uh, well, in the business, there's, there's, you know, when you are an entrepreneur, um, you are the business. So uh, most recently, not even a week ago, I was part of the unfortunate Danforth shootings. I was oh. in, on the Danforth, and my yes. partner you know, brought in one of the shooting victims and, you know, even something like that has an impact on everything because I chose uh, to do what I do best, which is tell the story. Yes. And not only did I tell the story to my coworkers the next day, um, but I told the story to probably every major media outlet in the world. So Mm -hmm. I was on everything from New Zealand to Australia to London but it was important that I told the story of hope. And I told the story that we do live in a fantastic city. And uh, yeah, it was a really bad evening. And it's a real huge tragedy what's going on. But don't let this tarnish what we have. And I actually got thank yous from um, the police force. Wow. And um, also some of the politicians uh, for thanking me really minimize what the story could have been. Yes. Right, because it didn't go to where we know it would have gone if nobody was talking. Right. So, so basically, that was the most recent. But in the last, uh, you know, in the last five years, I've gone through some some real challenging times. And as a woman, it's a real it is a real problem. I uh, I walked out of my husband five years ago. Yes. And I made money from day one in my business because. I was very frugal, and I, you know, my philosophy was if I buy buy low and sell high and don't spend a lot, I'll be okay, and, and it got me through. Mm-hmm. But here's where the challenges come from, and I know a lot of people talk about this, but um, try going to a bank and getting financing. Now, I own real estate. Mm-hmm. I have assets.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But I went to the bank to say, I need some help. I need you to increase my lines because I'm going – through a war right now. I need to, you know, deal with things. I need to hire some people. You know, I had to literally leave my business, right? Yes. And the bank said no. Yes. And I went to five different banks, people I know who senior people and the female senior executives said to me, Jody, we're embarrassed to tell you this. We can't put it on paper. But because you're going through all of what you're going through, the banks won't touch you with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. Now, that's the truth. So, anybody who's telling you that they're supporting the women's market, mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I have a track yet. At that point, I had a 25 year old, profitable, 25 year business, real estate assets, whatever the case be, and they wouldn't increase my line by half a million dollars. Yes. Shame on them.
0: Well, you know, Jody, that's exactly what has motivated me to launch the micro-lending platform that's going to be a part of the Road to 7 business, mm-hmm. is that it's disgusting mm-hmm. the, how the banks treat entrepreneurs, and more disgusting than how they treat women entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And I have been in a very similar, and all I needed was a $10,000 right. line of credit, and the answer was no, because I didn't fit box A, B, C, and D.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's the so problem.
0: It is a problem and so we're going to we're going to help each other here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And I tell that story all the time and yeah. I have several banks. Now, I will tell you, one of the banks did come out and say, Look, we know you. Mm-hmm. Not only do they they support me, um, per, they, they're my business bank,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but they also do investments for me. But they're mm-hmm. also the largest champion of the charity that I created. And we sat down and they said, Look, we know you on a different level. Um, here's what we can do. And, you know, through some fancy, le- but even that, it wasn't what I need. Like they helped me through a different part of it, but I'm still sitting here with, I don't even want to tell you, 80% equity in real estate in the city of Toronto. Yes. They won't increase my, my mortgage. I'm not asking for a handout. I'm asking to pay them more interest. Yes. So, you know, don't even get me going. That's a, that's another conquest, but it, but as a woman, it's really important to realize that. And what I used to do for several years, my father retired And he came into my company to be my controller. So every year he told me, this is what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Go to the bank for 15 minutes. You sit down and you say, hey, great. Let's raise my line. I've had a great year. And every year he used to raise my line of credit. And do you know that the bank thought it was his company? They never even asked. They thought it was his company. Wow. And I worked for him and they always gave him what he asked for. You know, so I don't get upset about it. I go do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, just go ahead and do it. You know, one of the things that I've long admired about you, Jody, is not only are you running this successful business, you have also started a charity and do some incredible philanthropic work. And you've done it to the advantage of your business. And what I'd love to talk about is, what was that point that your business was at where it made sense or it was safe for you to shift your focus a little bit into the philanthropic side? And I'd love for you to tell us about your charity and about all the work that you do. Sometimes I think, here's, here's what's behind my question. Sometimes I think people launch the cause too early. And how did you go about launching this in a way that, was safe and still impacted positively not only the people that you help but your business as well
2: all right well I think I'm very fortunate because things happen and they're not necessarily planned and I think it's all about recognizing wow that's pretty interesting how can we work that or leverage it and and for everybody's benefit right Mm -hmm. so it wasn't planned so let's put that out there okay so how this started is um, several years ago, I'm going to estimate probably about 20. um, Mayor Lassman was the, was the mayor of North York. Mm -hmm. He was running for mega city mayor and he made a comment on the radio that everybody remembers. And he said, there are no homeless people living in North York and he almost lost everything because of it. Mm -hmm. And Ironically, the same day, I got a call from a Bay Street stockbroker who had a charity who got together and distributed sleeping bags to all the homeless shelters outside. Mm -hmm. And it was the weirdest call. He said, "Jody, I've heard about you. We need sleeping bags. We've run out. Because think about it. If you go to your basement or your locker and you give somebody your sleeping bag, it's not like you go and replace it. In most cases, it's not like a sweater or a coat where you go get another one. So long story short, I happened to have a deal of sleeping bags. Mayor Lastman couldn't release any government funding. Mm-hmm. He told me he'd be on the front page of the paper and be a hero. So we had a press conference, and over 24 hours, I raised $92,000 on a cell phone. Oh, during, my gosh. During a Canada Post strike, wow. uh, nur- nursing a baby of you know several months old. And at the time I was also sitting on the board of a hospital. And I thought, wow, if I can do this in a matter of 24 hours, not only was it powerful, but it felt great. And I was able to help this organization for two years, supply sleeping bags to all of the homeless shelters. So I got involved. The organization, unfortunately didn't survive much Mm -hmm. longer. Mm -hmm. And I recognized by helping these people, what a drastic need there was. And I started getting phone calls, um, and I met a woman at a, when I was volunteering at a shelter, at a, sorry, I was volunteering at a homeless um, event, a special event, a fashion show. And I asked her what she did. And she she literally changed my life. Wow. She told me that she worked at Covenant House mm-hmm. and she looked after the clothing room. And I ignorantly said, oh, so you like volunteer and you sort through those like barrels of clothing that are dropped off in those huge containers in the parking lots that we see. Uh, and that where, the, where the grocery store is, and she was disgusted. And she said, No, I have a paid job. And I actually have to purchase things like socks and underwear, because you can't give those out if they're used. So I said, Oh, okay, wow, well, tell me about that. And she didn't really know what I did. So she told me this 20 minute story on how mm. she would go to back then Zeller's, you know, after working a 14 hour day at a shelter and load her car up and get a discount. And it was a huge exhaustive story and at the end of the story i said to her how much did you pay for those socks mary and she was so proud to tell me that she got a 10 percent discount mm-hmm. and i said to her great next time you need those here's my phone number call me i sold those socks to zellers i'll give them to you for 80 percent less than you bought them the whole transaction will take you three minutes yeah i'll deliver them I'll send you an invoice. Your accountant can pay it in 30 days. And if I have other stuff around, I'll be happy to donate it to Covenant House in my warehouse. Wow. And she said to me, and her body language totally changed, are they stolen? (laughs) I said, no, why? And she said, well, why are they so inexpensive? I said, that's what I do. And she said to me, Jody, wow, can you ever make a change? Can I... What else do you do? So we started the conversations. I started helping with socks Mm -hmm. and Mary started giving my name to all of the homeless shelters and places that needed things. Mm -hmm. And the more I helped these people, uh, the more it felt awesome. And the more my people that worked at the bargains group, and back then we were a very small team, the more they felt awesome. Right. Right. And we started asking them, what else do you need help with? You know, it's like any client you deal with. If, if you like dealing with a client, you want to help them more and deal more with them. So we found out about bedding and linen and mm-hmm. hygiene products and Christmas gifts and um, food hampers and back to school supplies. And we just kept learning and learning and developing focus groups. And it broke my heart how much need there was. And that was 20 years ago. And it's wow. probably five times that now. So what we did was I reached out to a bunch of business people and said, guys, this is what I'm doing. Like, these people are so needy. What do you have in your warehouse? I'll supply the beer and pizza. Let's bring a bunch of stuff and build some kits. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started. And we started together. We built some kits. We invited some shelters in and we... I fused the relationship between the people, the business people, and they were so grateful that the business people said, wow, that was amazing. I want to do more. And next thing you know, they were donating their, their kids Christmas money and they were doing dress down Friday bake sales. And we started off. um, The very first event was called project winter survival. Mm -hmm. And we created Uh, survival kits based on the things somebody if they're outside and you see them outside a lot in the winter and they don't want to go into a shelter Mm -hmm. you know this is Canada Uh, you know we can't walk by them we need to help them they're there for many reasons uh, but nobody should die from freezing so we started doing it and the the outpour of of accolades and help and everything just came forward and then I thought wow this is crazy Everyone who works for me is so loving doing this and, and is we've got to do more of this. And then I started telling my clients and my suppliers and I started leveraging my suppliers and Ed Mervish was one of my mentors. Mm-hmm. And Ed Mervish always said to me, Jody. When you buy from people, you have the permission to ask for donations. Mm-hmm. You know, Ted Burbish gave away turkeys every year at Christmas. Not mm-hmm. me. He does not pay for those turkeys. Right. Okay. But he was able to do a good thing and leverage, leverage all the relationships. So I started doing the same. We set up a formalized business system that when we would issue purchase orders to our suppliers, my VP would then turn around and talk about the charity that we built 3,000 kits in the winter. Wow. 3,000 kits in the summer. And we were able to do these incredible events and help hundreds of social service agencies and shelters. And then the police got involved. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be involved directing the traffic and and being there. And then we would have a press conference and, and we knew how to create this incredible event that the media wanted to tell the story. And then we made sure we did it at a time of year when shelters were desperate. Mm -hmm. On Christmas day, homeless shelters have everything they need and more. And within a matter of a day or two, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get cold till January. January. Mm-hmm. January hits. These places have nothing for their clients. So that's why we do it sub, you know, in mid January. So then we were left with the challenge. Well, what happens to homeless people in the summer? And Kathy Crow, I'm um, incredible street nurse, who is my advisor told me that more people die of dehydration who are homeless in the summer than they do of, the cold. Wow. And that's exactly what I said. This is this is Toronto. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Have you ever seen a drinking fountain, you know, right. that works, let alone, you know, there aren't drinking fountains and homeless people don't all live in one park." Yes. The population is sprawled, so we started Project Water. And I did what I do best. I went to my, you know, network and I sent out a bunch of emails and said, "Who knows somebody in the beverage business and Nestle Waters Canada came to the forefront and have been our partner for for over a decade and every year donate 300,000 bottles of water wow so companies started coming to me and I got introduced to Mars Center of Innovation Mm -hmm. and we tried to figure out is this a charity or is this a social purpose business and how do we scale this because it's needed in every community Yes. And we made the decision to turn it into a charity because Mm. some of the donors who wanted to participate wanted to write a check but wanted a tax receipt. Right. So I did not choose to have a charity. Uh, A charity is just like having another business. Yes. Uh, but it made sense because we had to fund, we get most of the stuff donated for free, but we do need to raise money to purchase a couple of the very expensive components like a sleeping bag.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we basically um, built it in a pay-to-play business model, like a walkathon. If you want to come out to a rock star experience and just show up and have everything done for you, It's X amount of dollars per person at that event, and we promise you, you know, the charity is now called Engage and Change. Right. promise that we will engage you, and you, your whole attitude towards the less fortunate and homelessness will be changed, and not only do we give you the experience, we teach you... how to do social media for your company and how to leverage your involvement, how to take pictures of your team. We give you photo galleries and we talk to you about how to share everything with your clients Mm -hmm. and your internal and your external stakeholders. And then you go home exhausted and you're on hopefully every newscast you've possibly seen and you feel awesome. And every time you see a homeless person, probably for the rest of your life, you think about them in a very different way. Different way, right. So that's how we... Built it, and we started getting all of these awards, which I was, you know, shocked about. And awards with some pretty major players. I won um, my first award was Canadian Woman Entrepreneur of the Year. Mm-hmm. And then I won Top Forty Under Forty. But when I was won Top Forty Under Forty, I was like with the president of Dell and Telus and wow. some major players. And here's the little bargains group. But I recognized I was so ahead of the curve mm-hmm. about engaged philanthropy, and. We've, we've kept doing it, but we made a decision not to take the charity national because it's not technically sustainable for all my suppliers and relationships to donate the product. Right. So we turned and opened up a new division right now called um, Kits for a Cause after having 500 different companies do, uh, you know, let me teach 500 different companies what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a challenge. That there's a big problem out there and it's a good problem. And the problem is companies, whether they have five people or 5,000 people, they want to do something. They want to get roll up their sleeves. They want to make a difference in their community. They want to have impact. They want to volunteer. But they don't know how to do it, and they don't want to write a check and, and sponsor a table at a gala or a golf tournament anymore. They want active, what we call active philanthropy. But here's the problem. They go and call up the local not-for-profit or homeless shelter who tells them they don't have the room to bring in 30 or 40 people on a team building day. Right. Cuz they're not they're social workers. And imagine going into a a woman's homeless shelter. These women are in, they don't want to see anybody. They don't want to be, you know, put on stage like right. a chimpanzee in a zoo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a lot of these not for profits are looking after people's dignity and privacy. So what we've developed is the solution because so many people called me and said, what can we do? We want to help out, whether it be children or women or whatever it is. So we've developed a new division called Mm kitsforacause.com and we will match you with a not-for-profit of your choice in your local community or in communities across Canada that share the values of what you do and as a business owner. I'll walk you through what is your cause? Why? Why is that your cause? Is it your cause as the president? Mm -hmm. Or is it a cause that's meaningful and buy-in from your staff? And if you don't have a cause, I'll teach you how to get the staff involved to select a cause. And then we'll even walk you through what to do and how to connect to the cause so that it can be, in my mind, a branded long-term play of your company. Mm -hmm. And you can talk about it. And you talk about it, through social media, through your website, through new recruits that you're hiring Mm -hmm. to your customers because that's what sets you apart. You know, I sell, one of my divisions sells custom logo products, logo t-shirts. I mean, lots of people sell them, but if you can buy them from me and you know my backstory on who we are as a company or a company like, you know, 4imprint or someone online, Mm -hmm. who who do you want to deal with? Yeah. So that's the part that I'm passionate about, bringing philanthropy and weaving it through your company. You don't, it doesn't take a lot of work. And we can do the we've already done the heavy lifting. We can right. do how to build, you know, kits for a cause into your local day, whether you're one person or you have offices right across the country. And um, it's just phenomenal how it's just transformed. And we've been told that we've cured cancer in the sector. And, you know, people as little as One person, we have a financial planner in Saskatchewan that's done three events now. Mm -hmm. And she did it as a kickoff to her Christmas party to appreciate her staff. And she did it for the first 30 minutes and said, I appreciate that you invest all your money with me, but I want to show you how we can together all give back and make our community a better place. And we had already matched her with a local organization. She designated a few thousand dollars that she would have spent on fancy you know, alcohol at her party. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they turned around and she did this kit building. She had the charity come out and tell for 10 minutes who they were, what they were going to be doing today and the impact it was going to have on the clients. Everybody packed the kits, loaded this person's vehicle up, and then they had wine and cheese. Nice. So the event was the same duration, actually even the same budget, pretty much as it had been in previous years. Talk about an impact. And yeah, and she's a financial planner. She's a yeah. wonderful woman with a heart. But if you, if she was your financial planner, would you be telling your friends about you got to deal with this woman? And so she just did a, her, another one. She did Make a Wish. Yeah. And she built kits for kids going on a trip to Disney. Oh, fantastic. So, So I really believe through active philanthropy and team building and bonding, first of all, any company especially women driven companies, because we we are built with hearts. We get it. Mm-hmm. If you're not giving back, you know, I always say giving back makes great business sense. If yes. you're not giving back or you don't know how, I will have a 15 minute call with you and figure it out. And it's really important that you do it. And not just that you do it, writing a check, lots of women do it, mm-hmm. but they know how to, how to weave it into your branding of who you are and your reputation and everything about you because it's important and people will do business
0: with you because of that. I love it. You are the poster child for making things happen, Jody. I will put in the show notes all the links to your business and your uh, charity and the Kits for a Cause website so that people can learn more. Just to close us out, yes. what is the one piece of advice you would have given yourself back when you were starting out?
1: Um,
2: I, th- I think the advice that I would have given myself that I eventually had did was find incredible mentors. Yes. Uh, find people that you can um, aspire um, and ask for help. Because I think uh, if I had asked for more help much earlier on, uh, I would have uh, definitely uh, not had a couple hurdles that I had, and I and I to this day I have a whole team of mentors for different parts of my business and different parts of my life. So I think that's ask for help, um, and whether it be a mentor or a mentorship circle, both of them I think are very very powerful.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know you are a mentor to many of us. And uh, thank you for your time today. I think you've really sparked a lot of curiosity for me anyway, answered a lot of questions, and uh, am very motivated to make some serious change. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Well, thanks, Jill, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.
2: Thank you for listening to the Road to 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. To learn more, visit SheilaCummins.com for more support along your
1: road to seven figures and beyond in your business. See you next time.